Live. Live from This is the Just End the Suffering Podcast. For the win. Got it! Oh! He broke his head. Follow me. Follow me with freedom. Here's your host, Mike Phillips. What's up, everybody? Welcome to this episode of the Just End the Suffering Podcast. It's New York Sports Talk and Long Suffering Fan. I'm your host, Mike Phillips. I got a good show for you this week. We took a week off the sports stuff last week. Wanted to let some things settle into place. Now we're going to have a fun show today. The Rangers are in the Eastern Conference Finals, taking on the Tampa Lightning. They will be starting the series tomorrow night on day of recording. I'll be joined just a minute by Pete Casadori, our big Ranger guy. And we will break down the series that's coming up in just a second. We're also going to be doing an NBA Finals preview of Martino Puccio. Celtics Warriors starting on Thursday night, so NBA, NHL on the podcast, as well as some more baseball as well. And the end of the show, talk about the MLB Memorial Day stuff. So you like what you hear on the Just and the Suffering podcast, feel free to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, all the usual suspects. Simply search for Just and the Suffering, your favorite podcast platform, and final episodes there. Feel free to your feedback and start as well. They help make the podcast even better going forward. Check out the YouTube page, Mike Phillips on YouTube, for video versions of these conversations with Martino and Pete. But we'll start off here with our opening tip. Pete's coming on in just a second. Talk about the Rangers right after this. Three, two, one. Y'all ready for this? The opening tip. And here we go. All right, we are back here on the Just End the Suffering podcast, talking New York Rangers hockey here. The Rangers defeat the Carolina Hurricanes in seven games. They're now in the Eastern Conference Finals, trying to take down the two-time defending Stanley Cup champion, Tampa Lightning. Joining me today, our hockey guy on the podcast here, Pete Constantori. Pete, how are you? No, I'm doing fantastic. We, uh, we've been talking Star Wars a lot, and we haven't hit hockey. Now we're hitting hockey, and the Rangers are in the Eastern Conference Final, which I did not think was going to happen. I thought they were going to get beat by the Carolina Hurricane. If you look at my bracket, I had the Carolina Hurricanes going up against the Maple Leafs, actually, which was a terrible pick on my part. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm totally excited to, to talk some Rangers hockey. Yes, I remember very well. Like We were recording the Obi-Wan Kenobi preview show on the sky, guys. The Rangers had just lost Game 4 to Pittsburgh. We're down 3-1. We're like, Man, this team is terrible. I remember I famously played on the actual podcast. I played this clip. Hold on one second, I'll find it. They stink! Famously played that, and since then they win three straight. They find a way to win in Carolina, which has been the bug with the whole series. And now here they are. It's just dramatic how much things have changed in a month. Absolutely, and that's the beauty about hockey playoffs, right? I mean, look at the 2014 Kings. The Kings beat the Rangers in the Stanley Cup Final, but they were a wild card team that was down. I believe three games to nothing, maybe three games. Yeah. Three games to nothing. And they won four in a row, I believe. And they wound up winning the whole Stanley cup. So you have to be in it to win it. That's what they always say. And, and especially with hockey playoffs where momentum and, and just puck luck, if you will play such a huge role in, in the bracket and everything, we never know what's going to happen. Right. So, you know, we have giants like the Florida Panthers going down the second round, getting swept. I mean, I don't think we ever thought that the Florida Panthers, the president's trophy winners, we're going to get swept, let alone lose in the second round. So anything can happen. And I'm, I'm happy that the Rangers come out of this one on the right side of it. And we go to the next round. Yeah. And this series of Carolina was definitely fascinating. I remember before the first round, I talked to 
Christopher Russo from the uh, Sports of Angry Podcast. He basically said that there is one team in the playoffs the Rangers cannot match up well with is Carolinas. Carolinas had their number the whole year. I know they didn't have Frederick Anderson. Ronto's doing well. They could not seem to win in Carolina. And then all of a sudden, game seven, the floodgates is open. The Rangers have that six-goal outburst here. What do you think about, like, what was the key for the Rangers to win this series? I think they used the first round as a, as a nice stepping stone and as a, as a learning experience. I think that they should have capitalized a lot earlier against Louis Domingue um, in games, you know, two through seven. And, uh, you know, I think they took that as a learning experience and we still had to go seven games here. It was weird, right? The Carolina Hurricane were undefeated at home in the playoffs, but could not win a game on the road. We finally steal one on the road, game seven, I just don't think the Carolina Hurricanes had what they had in the regular season. There was guys that were not playing to the standards. Uh, Martinuk, Shvetsikov uh, being the two that come to mind. Even Tony D'Angelo, I don't think, and Brady Shea were having a good series um, against the Rangers. I know they played well against Boston. So, I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of factors. Obviously, Ronta getting hurt didn't help Carolina's comeback efforts because now you have – a guy that goes in, and I, and I apologize, I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but you have a goalie coming in for Carolina who's the third-string goalie, played, I think, all three regular season games total uh, this season or maybe even in his NHL career, um, gets kind of lit up to the point where there was no comeback. So uh, things just kind of fell into place for the Rangers, and, and they had the momentum, and they played the physical, skillful game. Yeah, absolutely. I remember Sveshnikov, especially torched the Rangers in the bubble a couple of years ago. He was like all over the ice in that series. He didn't really nothing in this series. Yeah, look, on paper, when you look at this team, this Carolina Hurricane team, it, it makes no sense that the Rangers are beating them in this in this kind of fashion, right? Um, undefeated at home. They have home ice advantage. Um, had some problems on the road like we, we had just I just mentioned. But like you said, a couple of years ago in the bubble and also during the regular season, Carolina Hurricanes were pretty much spanking the Rangers. I mean, yes, there was times where we won or we, we made a close game. But you look at that team and you're like, there's no way if we match up with them in the playoffs that we're beating them. I think our saving grace is that we probably wanted a little more. And also, even more importantly than that, we have Igor Shesterkin. We had our top goalie playing phenomenally. If we didn't have Igor and Ned, and he was not the brick wall that he was, we probably wouldn't have made it past the first round, let alone probably win a game or two in the second round. So um, that's going to be key moving forward. But like you said, I mean, you look at it on paper, you look at the, the rest of the season prior to this, you, this is not a matchup that the Rangers are winning. Yeah, especially the home ice thing was a big deal in that Carolina series because they used the last change to their advantage. They kept sticking uh, Eric Stahl's line on Zibanejad's line. That group did nothing for the first three games. And all of a sudden they... They managed to finally break through here, and now it's going to be fun because now they get a Tampa Lightning team. The Rangers played pretty well against during the regular season. They, I think they split the series, if I remember correctly. I believe they won all three games oh, against the in, in the regular season. I believe one game was an overtime win. Yeah, so they, played, they beat them three times. We all know that can throw out the window when the playoffs comes around, as you saw in the Carolina series here. And this is a very different beast because Tampa, obviously, two-time defending cup champions, Got out the Maple Leafs in seven games. They sweep the Panthers, who won the President's Trophy here. And they were big underdogs, I think, in the, in the books of the first two rounds. Now they're heavily favored, pointing the books, these same books for the conference final here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they back-to-back Stanley Cup defending champions, right? I mean, there's, there's no way you're not favored, especially after beating the Florida Panthers and sweeping them. Um, the Toronto Maple Leaf storyline, I feel bad for that fan base and for that franchise. I mean, they can't make it out of the first round and – God knows how many years, 
Um, they can't win the playoff uh, series at all in God knows how many years. It's been a while, so I do feel bad. I'm sure that's something that the Toronto Maple Leafs is going to take a long, hard look at, especially after this year, and say we need to change something up, whether it's coaching, whether it's – it's which I don't think they're going to change up coaching or personnel. I think it's going to be more of a play style, maybe trying to adapt better in these situations. And then they just completely spanked the Florida Panthers. I don't know if it's because the Panthers were spent um, or they kind of – relaxed a little bit after being the Capitals. I, I don't know what happened there, but I don't know. I think Tampa Bay, even though they are the favorites, have a lot of work to do against the Rangers. The Rangers will be playing tomorrow night after they played last night. One day of rest. Now, that may, may sound terrible, but when you're in a groove and you're moving and you have that momentum, that's going to pay dividends, especially at home. We have home ice advantage against a team, Tampa, who has not played in, I believe, the last nine or ten game, uh, ten days. Yeah. Uh, they might be a little spoiled here. They might be a little, oh, we got this in the bag. We won two Stanley Cups. We have pretty much the same players. We're going to win this again because we're just steamrolling through these teams. Remember, they went seven games against the Toronto Maple Leafs, a franchise that has not been able to win a series in a very long time. I think they got very lucky against Florida. I don't think Florida had the stamina or the experience to continue on. And the Tampa Bay Lightning played phenomenally. I don't want to take any credit away from them there. But you have a Ranger team who has a chip on their shoulder, young group who is really fighting hard that has the stamina and also has the experience. We have guys like Chris Cryer, Mika Zibanejad, Barclay Goudreau is healthy. Um, we have a lot of, uh, you know, Strom, I believe, is in the playoffs with us. We have a lot of people that have played in the playoffs for the Rangers already. And I think that's going to be a huge advantage, especially, especially, especially because we have home ice. Yeah, absolutely. I think one thing to watch here in the series also, besides the Tampa playoff experience, the fact that it's obviously the best goaltending range they're going to face in the playoffs at this point because, I mean, they faced uh, Craig DeSmith. They had Louis Domingue. They got an injured Tristan Jari, Antti Ranta, and then his backup when he got hurt. So going from them to Andre Vasilevsky is a big leap up in competition to deal with. Yeah, I agree. And I also think that might be a little detrimental to them, and let me explain why. I understand I never will and never have played in the NHL, and I'm not that caliber of player. But I do know when I have a goalie that is behind me that is less experienced I play a little harder to make sure that the goalie doesn't see as many shots. I feel like maybe Tampa Bay might be a little too trusting of Andre Vasilevsky, and rightfully so, because he's a great player, and, and you should trust him with saving the puck. But we might be able to get our shot count a little bit up more. The only thing the Rangers have to work on that's really, really critical is face-offs. We were horrible in face-offs in the first round. We were okay with face-offs in the second we have to make sure that we're taking those face-offs, especially when we have a power play because our special teams have been phenomenal in the power play. We've been getting – that's how we've been capitalizing, and that's how we got the first two goals last night to give us the lead for pretty much the entire game up until the third period. Um, so, Or maybe this late second. I can't remember the scoring there for Carolina. So I think because the defense and the, also the team will be maybe a little lackadaisical when it comes to playing the Rangers hard, I think they're going to do that because of a, they think they probably have the Rangers in the bag, right? It's like, Oh, it's the Rangers. It's not the Florida Panthers, the president trophy winners, or even the Toronto Maple Leafs that have goo gobs of talent on their roster. When it comes to names, Rangers also have that talent. Tampa Bay has been sitting around for nine, 10 days practicing, but not playing in that kind of speed. Also, I don't think the Panthers or the Toronto Maple Leafs have played with the physicality that the Rangers have. Jacob Troop has been laying hits hard and they're clean hits and unfortunately, it's winding up in injuries for other players in the team. You don't want to see him get hurt. But hard, clean hits makes you hesitant. You don't want to try to go into that, that offensive zone and try to blast by someone. You may want to try to get around them, and that takes away a scoring chance. 
So we'll see, obviously, coming tomorrow, game one here uh, uh, in New York. I believe it's 8 p.m. at MSG. Um, we'll see if, if that's going to be a detriment to the Tampa Bay Lightning, that they're sitting around and that they're maybe taking for granted what the Rangers have gone through, playing in seven games each series and coming back and winning. Um, or if if it's going to be just a, a really good back-and-forth matchup, and it's like you said, it's going to be just goalie versus goalie at this point. Yeah, absolutely. And I do also think it's interesting here in this series, if I was the fact that the Rangers have home ice, because the regular season, both teams had 110 points. Probably the regular season uh, head-to-head was, was a difference there for the tiebreak, either that or the fact that the Rangers are the two-seed in the Metro and Tampa, and Tampa was the three-seed in the Atlantic the, in the Atlantic bracket here. I think what, having that home ice here could be critical for the Rangers, especially considering they're the less experienced team. Knowing you have game seven, your ability comes down to is huge. Yes, absolutely. And I think the MSG and the Rangers are going to do well come game one, two, um, five, and seven, right? I, I think this game has a potential going seven games. The Rangers have had to play seven games against lesser talent, in my opinion, when it comes to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, Carolina and Tampa, I would kind of put up there at the same tier. However, goaltending wasn't there, right, for Carolina. And that's that's we kind of played to that that hand, right? We played the the hand that we, we got dealt and we, and we won it. Um, but I do think that home ice advantage is going to be key. We just have to make sure Tampa does not steal anything from us while they're on the road. We got to make sure we're winning every single game, take that home ice advantage seriously. And the Rangers also have to be physical. Like I said earlier in this, in the segment, you know, a minute ago, we need to make sure we're laying the body, making good, clean plays, staying out of the box. I know it sounds so cliche. We probably hear it from the players every single game. And you probably heard it from the Carolina players a lot. We have to stay out of the box because the Rangers are so good in the power play. We have to make sure that we are not giving Tampa any unnecessary advantages and that we use the home ice to our advantage like it is and not let them steal a game on the road. If we can steal a game on the road, perfect. We can try to end this in five or six. But if Tampa Bay gets some momentum, especially at MSG, we're going to be in for some problems. Yeah, I think for me, the key to this series here is I think like the Rangers have to get out of here and get those two games at home. Because I think if you're giving Tampa one, Tampa's walking out at least a split, you're in trouble. Oh, absolutely. And I think the Rangers have to come out hot. They need to come out like they were game seven of Carolina and just put it, just put Tampa in their place and say, Hey, welcome back to the playoffs. You've been sitting for almost two weeks straight, you know, and again, not trying to take credit away from Tampa Bay. Uh, they earned those two, that first and second round win. I mean, they did hundred percent. They're a great hockey team, but I think the Rangers need to take that advantage of literally being in this this mode and game momentum and not just be on their heels and think, oh, well, they haven't played so we can be relaxed. No, go out hard, skate as hard as you can, hit hard, hit clean, score some goals and set the tone early and set the momentum for the series in your favor. I think that's going to be huge. The other thing I'm watching on the Ranger in here, they need to get more of Artemi Panarin in this series because he's been pretty quiet the first two rounds and like he's one of the most talented players on the team. So like a series, you're going to need to put up some offense here against a highly explosive Tampa group. You can't have like Panarin give you two goals for an entire series. Absolutely. I, I When I see Artemi Panarin play in these playoffs, he looks like he's trying to be too cute. And the reason why I say that is because it looks like he's trying to make the pretty play. The, the playoffs, the regular season is one thing. The playoffs is get, get, make the play. Don't worry about if it looks good. Don't try to do these behind the backs or cross ice or whatever. He has been contributing, but not to the level he should be in the playoffs. I don't know if he's injured. I don't know if he's not confident. I don't know if he's just getting covered really well because he's Artemi Panarin. But we waited for Mika Zibanejad and Chris Cryer to start going, and now they're rolling. We're still waiting on Strom really to start rolling a little bit, but Panarin's really the guy we're missing. He's the guy we're missing because the kid line of Capo Caco, Philip Hedl, and Lafreniere have been phenomenal since day one. 
Our defense is doing really, really well, especially when we take Patrick Nemeth out of the out of that lineup. I don't know why he was in there. Um, it could have been because of injuries and stuff, but like he just he had to go. No disrespect or personal feelings about that. It's just from a from a fan watching a, a game. He was on the ice. He was probably a negative four against Pittsburgh that series, maybe even more negative five, and that's just a problem. So we need more Panarin, and we need to make sure we continue our game. Again, cliche, but it's been working so far. We need to not stray from it and try to change it just because we're facing the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll keep. We'll say this series. I'm, I'm going to be shocked if this is less than six games. I agree. I, I think this has to go at least six games. If if Tampa Bay gets momentum and maybe and you know I hate to say if they take the first two at MSG, it goes five. I, I don't. I don't know if the Rangers can keep playing from a deficit, especially especially from a team like Tampa Bay. They're just too skilled, and they've won two Stanley Cups back-to-back. They know better than anyone right now in the league what it is to win a Stanley Cup in this day and age, in this time frame. Same thing with the Capitals, same thing with the St. Louis Blues, but literally in the past two years, the Tampa Bay Lightning have won. We need to make sure we win those first two games, set the tone early. If, Tam- if Tampa takes any of those games, it might be done or five or even six. Yeah, absolutely. And let's take a quick peek over on the other side of the bracket here on the Western Conference here. You got Colorado, which is the heavy favorite in that series against Edmonton, which won the Battle of Alberta against Calgary in, I believe, five games. And and Connor McDavid, Leon Dreitzel went nuts on Jacob Markstrom and basically steamrolled that series. What do you think about that series? Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a good matchup. Uh, I saw a meme today or, or a, a post today that we're going to have Andre Vasilevsky versus Igor Shesterkin, and you're going to have Connor McDavid versus Nathan McKinnon. If you're not a fan of hockey, now it's the time to start watching. And I agree. I mean, you're going to have a defensive battle, a goalie battle in the East, and you're going to have an offensive scoring battle in the West. Now, the only thing I have to say is Dreisaitl has been playing hurt. They've said it multiple times. I think it's a lower body injury. I think it's his ankle. Um, it doesn't look, appear to be slowing him down any, right? Because he's been helping along. However, Edmonton needs to activate more of their players. McDavid cannot do it all on his own. Probably could. He's been doing it the past two rounds, if you think about it. But I'm telling you, Smith has to do way better in net if you want to beat the Colorado Avalanche, especially if you're playing against guys like Nazem Kadri, who stands in front of the net and takes away the eyes of the goalie. You need to make sure that you have some sort of plan and help your goalie out. Because Mike Smith, especially in that first game where the game was 9-6, to I think it was, Calgary, in the playoffs, that shouldn't be happening. It shouldn't be happening. I mean, even six goals for the Rangers uh, with Carolina last night probably shouldn't be happening, especially against a team of that caliber in game seven. So they goaltending's got to be tight because Nathan McKinnon and that group is not going to give them uh, – they're not going to give them any space. And when McDavid's off the ice, when Dreisaitl's off the ice, they're going to take advantage in a, in a, in a bad way um, for Edmonton. So it's going to be a great matchup. I say that game goes six games. I think it's a toss-up. I don't think it goes seven. I think the Avalanche are the favorites because of that goaltending. The goaltending was better, and and Smith can play like a brick wall. McDavid can do whatever he wants and score at will, then they win. Um, it's hard to say, you know, right now. I would like to see Edmonton win. I think uh, Connor McDavid is just a, a beast of a hockey player, and I just – if anyone deserves it, it's it's him. But also does Nathan McKinnon and, and Kale McCarr, a fantastic defenseman in, in Colorado. I'd like to see Edmonton because if the Rangers do beat Tampa, I think we have a better chance of beating Edmonton than we do Colorado. <laughs> it's probably going to be Colorado in the end. Yeah, Colorado, is, I think, was my pick before the playoffs win the Cup. I would not be surprised that ends up happening. I had Colorado versus Carolina. So I this was this was something that, that 
I saw coming. Well, we don't know how this series is going to go, but I mean, it's, it's kind of the writings on the wall there that Colorado is probably going to show Edmonton what a complete hockey team is like and not relying on one guy to do everything. Yeah, absolutely. And Pete, that's all the fun for the hockey this week. You're also going to be back here. We're on the sky guys are covering Obi-Wan Kenobi. We did the premiere podcast already. That was fun. I'm excited to do episode three tomorrow. Yep. First two episodes are out. So if you haven't watched that yet, make sure you watch episodes one and two, because tomorrow we're getting the third part pretty much halfway through that limited series for Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, and you can catch that on the Sky Guys uh, feed and podcast um, that's conjoined with Just End the Suffering, Mike, right, Mike? Because you pop, you pop it into the Suffering feed sometimes. And uh, um, definitely make sure you watch it, especially if you're a Star Wars fan. Um, if you're not, it's pretty easy to get into. I, I showed my girlfriend yesterday the first episode. I explained the recap to her in the beginning where we see the uh, the first three episodes explained before Obi-Wan Kenobi show is uh, starts. And, and she was following along. So. Still a good show to get into if you're not into Star Wars yet. So definitely recommend it. Yeah, definitely recommend it indeed. And just admire people. I'm going to mention at the end of the podcast as well. But like the day and date releases that we did for the for the preview show and the premiere, that's not going to happen to just end the suffering feed for the rest of the season. It's going to be a couple of days delayed. So if you're looking for it in this feed, you're going to get it out probably on Saturday, would be my guess. But if you want it day after you record, look for that Sky Guys podcast feed. You'll get it the day after. Yeah, you should subscribe to that, especially if you want old Star Wars news up to date from us. That goes right on the the night of, right, Mike? I mean, I think you upload it pretty quickly. So uh, make sure that you subscribe to this feed, but also subscribe to Just End the Suffering. There's a lot of great content. I know you, Sam, and and, uh, John were talking about Stranger Things that had just came out as well. Um, A lot of sports talk like this, the Rangers, Mets, Jets, all the above. So um, definitely make sure you check out both. Yeah, I think on that episode that came out earlier this week, I had Sam do the Stranger Things. Stanko stopped by to do his summer movie preview. Uh, okay, my apologies. So so John Stanko with the summer. See, I thought he was going to come on with Stranger Things. Is he not a Stranger Things fan, or he just had Sam lined up for it? I had Sam lined up for it. Stanko's schedule is hard to track down. We got we had summer movies on the calendar. Like, we're going to do this. He's always busy, but it's in a good way. I mean, he's he's he's, he's killing it out there. So, so uh, no, that's awesome. I, I listened to one of the clips uh, that you and Sam did, and it was really well done. So definitely check it out. If you're a Stranger Things fan, definitely check it out. Absolutely. Pete, thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. Before I go, how people follow you on social media and keep up with your Ranger-related tweets? Yeah, so at PJConsidori29, uh, C-O-N-S-A-D-O-R-I-29. I kind of retweeted uh, Paul Bissonnette's tweet. If you guys are following Spit and Chicklets, pretty much Paul Bissonnette Biznasty was like, ah, oh, the Carolina Hurricanes are going to wipe the floor with the Rangers and they're going to beat them and <laughs> put a little clown emoji because he didn't know what he was talking about. It was a little feud between Bissonnette and the Rangers, but it's all in good fun. We're all we're all hockey fans and we're all just trying to, to be competitive. So definitely give me a follow there. And Mike, thank you so much for having me on. Talk to Little Rangers. Absolutely. I think what's the more fun Twitter for you? That one or the Carolina Hurricanes uh Twitter like Twitter account versus the Empire State Building? Yeah, that one was bad. I gotta be honest. <laughs> that one was a really, really bad turn of events for the Carolina Hurricane. If you if you're wondering what we're talking about, Carolina Hurricane posted a picture of the Empire State Building with pretty much a hurricane going around and saying something like Storm's coming. coming. Storms coming and then like someone retweeted a post because we beat we beat Carolina that night. Um, I believe it was for game six or was it earlier? Maybe game. I think it's at the game five, maybe. No, five was in Carolina. So it would have to be three, four or six. Yeah. Uh, So but anyway, someone posted a picture after said the storm. It was just like one of those plastic chairs fall fell over. That's it. Um, But yeah. Uh, Twitter, Twitter's funny. Twitter's funny, especially when it comes to the hockey stuff. So I, um, listen, give all the hockey teams a follow too. Cause some of these, 
accounts are funny. And also you get more information about the hockey teams. Even if you're not into, let's say the Colorado avalanche, they'll tweet something like, Oh, they just got that player. I know who that player is. And it'll keep you up to date. Absolutely. Pete. Thanks all the time. Really appreciate it. Basketball is my favorite sport. I like the way to dribble up and down the court. Just like I'm the king on the microphone. So it's Dr. J and Moses Malone. I like slam dunks and taking it to the home. My favorite play is the alley. Ooh, I like the pick and roll. I like the give and go. Cause it's basketball. Or Mr. Kirch's flow. All right, we are talking NBA Finals here on the podcast. The Golden State Warriors and the Boston Celtics game one on Thursday night. Join me today to preview the NBA Finals. Big NBA guy, big Celtics guy, Martina Puccio is here. Martina, how are you? Good, good. Um, been a hell of a sports week for me. Well, yeah, I guess, you know, 10 days or whatever. But the Sunday to Sunday I just had from... The 23rd, I want to say, to the, no, actually, sorry, the 22nd to the 29th was uh, was a great one for me. So, um, so and on top of the Mets uh, so far. So, I mean, it's so gravy right now. It's, it's definitely new to me or, yeah, no, definitely new, definitely new. Yeah, and it's also a good New York sports moment because both baseball teams are first place. The Rangers are in the Eastern Conference Finals, and, you know, like, the basketball stinks, but, you know, they got three teams that are doing very well right now. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I think the Nets are just a, like a separate thing. The Knicks are, you know, I mean, you get accustomed to that. But I got to say, I think football is going to turn a corner this year. I think this will be the best football year by both squads in, in at least half a decade, I think. So I, I think there's been improvements everywhere. Um, so it's, it, it's decent times right now in New York. We'll see, we'll see who could pull off what, um, the Rangers are going to go up against one of the greatest dynasties in recent memory. So, I mean, that's, it's a, it's a big one. Uh, I, I wouldn't know how to feel if I were you guys right now, but you never know. You give yourself a chance. Yeah, absolutely. And I admit the Rangers have been distracting from the NBA playoffs a bit, but from what I've seen as like, thus far, it does feel like this postseason. It's like a lot less exciting than we've seen in recent years. I feel like there's been a lot of times where like the games are blowouts or like mm-hmm. one team's like the steamroll and the other one. I feel like I've not had a lot of like drama here. Do you feel the same way? I know you're a little biased with the Celtic situation here, but like in general, I feel like the whole NBA playoffs are sort of down this year. Um, from a neutral perspective, I get it, yeah. but like I feel like my my team's like in the finals, so like it's everything's intense, you know. Like yeah. it, regardless if it was twenty point leads in whatever game or blowing a team out like that it's it's still highly nerve-wracking but i i get it from a neutral perspective because some of these series like you know like if you go back to the warriors and, and Cavs series when the Cavs came back from 3-1 down a lot of those games weren't that close um and that's kind of been a trend for a while from what i can remember probably since the 2014 postseason we've seen a lot of this there's been some great series here and there but you know, I think this is actually just a culmination of fitting in all the games last year and then trying to get them back in the bubble the year prior in 2020 and, you know, playing another set of 82 games, the playoffs. Like the Celtics didn't, there was, Eric Spolstra talked about it. There wasn't over a day of rest in that series. Every Everything was a singular day of rest. It, it wasn't like they were giving a breather to some of these guys and, you know, like, Jimmy's banged up. Jimmy, you know, you could even see it on that final three. He tried try playing hero ball with. Like, it's, he came up short with it. It's just tired legs. It, it happens. And um, I think that's part of the product. 
I think certain things have to change. I think the inconsistency as well uh, for some of these referees that are so used to calling certain things fouls and things are not fouls right now that used to be for the past, you know, 10 plus years or however long it was. Um, I think it's like, I think it's a little difficult for some of these players to still make those adjustments because it's the first year like that, you know, like some of the guys like James Harden are used to getting away with certain things and, and overall, I think that the, the talent gap is just, it's kind of always been like this. Like, it, uh, I can't say I'm surprised. And then on top of it, injuries don't help anybody. Like, it, this is a second year in a row, like, where it's abysmal with it. Uh, and I've seen my team have it, multiple injuries over the years uh, in the playoffs, never healthy. Uh, this is this is what happens. And, you know, like, basketball has always been that type of sport, though, where the best team usually wins. So there aren't that many crazy upsets, which, which a lot of people have to remember. Because if you're expecting, like, an eight- beating a one then uh, i'm sorry to break it to you that's just that's that kind of stuff just doesn't happen anymore and even if it did it's incredibly rare so i can't say i'm surprised by it i understand from the neutral fan perspective though because i talk to a lot of people who aren't as big into the nba and they look at it they're like why am i watching this like what's 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 really getting me into some of these games where we have teams winning by double digits and the amount is like crazy in every single series you know like uh, the Western Conference Finals sucked from a, from a neutral perspective. Like, how could that? That wasn't enjoyable. I was rooting for Luca, but I mean, that I, I don't know what you thought about that one. I thought that one was terrible. Yeah, I mean, the, the West was not really exciting because I mean, like once Phoenix got bounced in the second round, you sort of knew there was just a matter of Golden State and X Games, and I mean, yeah. Golden State. I mean, they really had. I feel like. A pretty stress-free postseason. I mean, they win in five against Denver. They win in six against the Grizzlies. You know, like most of those games were not very close. And then the De- the Mavericks were overmatched. So they win in five. So, what about the path that Golden State took to get here? I mean, listen. I think it's. I, I don't want to rip teams. For, like you play who you play, right? You can't control who's injured, who's not injured. Personally speaking, I don't think it's as impressive as we've seen with them in the past. I think. Playing Denver was just, it was obvious what was going to happen there. It just really depended upon how close Jokic could keep some of the games. And obviously, it wasn't really like that. Um, again, with Memphis, John Morant's out with that. That's a massive loss, regardless of how well they played during stretches. Then Dallas were the biggest overachievers of the postseason. There's no, there's no question about it. Lucas, fantastic, but there isn't a single singular guy on the other team of, of Dallas that is capable of making an all-NBA team. Like, maybe Jalen Brunson makes an all-star game if so, if a bunch of guys bow out. It's just, it, the talent level isn't there. Luka wasn't supposed to be there, and the Warriors rightfully won that one. So, I mean, listen, the path, in my opinion, wasn't as hard as the Celtics, but it's not like the Celtics had it the hardest either. Like, they had some fortunate things go their way, but you know what? You can say the same last year for Phoenix and Milwaukee. It's just who you play in a given year, and that's that's why you always try and give it your shot at the deadline or, or other occasions, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And you go to the Celtics side, you mentioned it earlier. They sweep the Nets in the first round. That was the mm-hmm. complete like steamroll that series. They beat the Bucks in seven. The Bucks were without Chris Middleton for a big part of that series. They beat the Heat in seven. The Heat were very banged up, but the games were sort of like back and forth the whole way through here. So what do you got the Celtics path? I think the Nets one is like, listen, they didn't have Ben Simmons all year, so I don't really want to hear it. You know, like they were, they were like that. They put themselves in that situation. Like they weren't playing good enough defensively. Kevin Durant didn't even play well enough. You know, so it's not like KD was otherworldly like Jimmy Butler was. So I think that was well deserved. The Giannis one, Giannis is like. 
that's the best player since LeBron, and I don't know how anyone can dispute that at that point. We've seen a 40-20 and 20 game where he's single-handedly keeping them in it. His teammates clearly didn't do enough. I think they probably or maybe win that out if you know Middleton's there. And again, Miami, listen, we could go both ways. Robert Williams was coming off a torn meniscus, came in, and you know was clearly limited. He missed a game in that series. He's the big reason why Bam Adebayo was struggling. And Bam's best game came when Robert Williams was not playing. They lost the Defensive Player of the Year for a game, and he was also you know banged up for the pretty much the entire series uh, where he was limited. I think it went both ways in that one. And listen, like D Wade told Jimmy Butler, no one cares if your knee's hurting. And to me. I see game six and seven, and Jimmy's knee didn't seem to be that big of an issue. So what happened when he was banged up in those games? Chalk it off as, as a negative performance. But I can't say I'm too surprised about the Kyle Lowry thing. I mean, listen, the guy's extre- extremely overweight. He's a lot older than people want to let on. He's just not the same type of player. And you know what? Miami did not have someone that could step up and score. I think the Celtics had the best defense in a very long while, probably since the Heat's uh, defense with LeBron. Like, this is... This is a really tough team, and they make, they're going to make it difficult for a lot of people because how deep they can go defensive rotation-wise, no one in the NBA can match, and I'm sure of that, and I, I think we saw it again. Yeah, for sure. In terms of Golden State, I think the interesting of them is, like, obviously, they get out to, like, the really fast start at the beginning of the season, mm-hmm. then Steph Curry cools off. They they fall in the same, but they integrate Clay Thompson back in here, and now they're sort of peaking as they get to the final. What do you think about, like, like how Golden State is playing at the moment? I think they're playing well. I don't think they've been exceptional. Um, I think there's certain instances within the games that they played in where, like, we're looking at Dallas completely melting down after being, uh, going up massively big. You know, the Celtics have been susceptible to that. But, again, the Warriors are known for their runs. But, listen, if you go down that big to Dallas, I don't know. That's just – it's a little sketch to me. Um, I, I think the bigger matchups, though, are what happens with Jordan Poole um, and how healthy Robert Williams is. Because Celtics can go deep with some of these players off of their bench that could really match up well defensively with Jordan Poole. Like, you know, Derek White lining up with him or any of their guards, he's going to present issues for them. I think he's one of the most underrated defensive players in the game. And not only that, he's in the finals and playing incredibly well. Um, Smart gets a couple days to heal. I mean, that's defensive player of the year. For me, it's Robert Williams presents the biggest matchup issue. Like, absolutely the best big man in this series when healthy. I mean, Al Horford, the way he could defend the perimeter as well. I think I need to see, does Kavan Looney have a 20-rebound game against the Celtics? No, probably not. Does he have a great interior game where he's getting buckets in the low post? Probably not as well. So the Warriors are, are going to have to really answer that, and it comes down to a make-or-miss league. And how many shots does Steph and Clay hit as opposed to Tatum and Brown? And we're going to have to see that. And, and they're great, I think. The last part I'm going to say about matchups is, does Jonathan Kaminga get the trust of Steve Kerr in the series? I think Wiggins will I think Wiggins will do a fine job, but I don't know, man. I, I, I think there's a reason why you could have an easier time against Luka, and it's not going to, and it's more easily magnified when Luka Doncic doesn't really have the help that he needs. Like, they're terrible. Like, they, like the... Uh, J.J. Redick was talking about it on First Take. I don't really watch First Take that much, but J.J. has done a good job. And basically the point he was saying was like, Luca's setting up his teammates incredibly well, but they're not hitting shots. So the Warriors are essentially giving up those shots, right? And Celtics have better shot makers than the Mavericks do. So we have to see how they respond to that. And again, I think there is a bigger chip on the Celtics' shoulder than there is the Warriors. I, 
I, I do get that they're the favorites in this. I just don't think this is going to be as easy as some people think. I, th- I think this is going to be a really close series. Yeah, I think for me, the matchup I'm watching in this series is, is seeing how Marcus Smart does on Steph Curry. Because I feel like if he can really limit uh, Steph, because you're not going to shut him down completely. If you can, like, no. hold him down to, like, a reasonable degree, the only chance to win the series skyrocket. I always say this in the postseason, right? Guys will always get theirs. Always. Always get theirs. What you don't want is a record Steph Curry game. You don't want 50 points from Steph, right? You don't want Clay going game six Clay. What you need is like, are you okay with Steph getting his averages? Yes, absolutely. Because if, if they're just hitting their averages, I think the Celtics win. So, I mean, again, you're right. It's, it's what can Marcus do? How healthy is he? I don't think Steph is the same player that he was five, six years ago. I think that's pretty evident at this point. So we'll see what happens. I mean, Marcus, Marcus is going to present so many problems. And again, the team who plays them best, even though I don't go off regular season that much, is the Boston Celtics. And it's been proven. So we'll see how they do. Yeah, it's also fascinating with the Celtics team because for a while here, this team was not very good in the regular season. I mean, at the end uh-huh. of January, they're 500. Talk about, are they going to make the play-in tournament? Are they going to avoid the uh, get the play-in games? And then all of a sudden, they just get red hot down the stretch, and now they're in the finals. It's an incredible turnaround. Yeah, I mean, kudos to Brad Stevens. Uh, you know, people people say this all the time. You know, Brad knew and coached a lot of these guys and knew who was good and who wasn't good enough to play. But you know what? Fresh eyes come in. It, it's not as narrow-minded looking um, in terms of, you know, outlook for the team. You know, that's what Emi Yudoka presents. And Brad Stevens pulled off amazing trades. Like getting Derek White at the trade deadline, whatever, if you ju- dump Josh Richardson. I mean, um, Romeo Langford was a bust. Dennis Schroeder was horrendous for us. Um, and then again, getting Al Horford back. Just tremendous. Uh, understanding the culture has played with a lot of these guys presents so much versatility virtually didn't really play much last year and then on top of it you know just understanding what everyone's role is and i think they've been together so long as that core and also you know they're they were they were young you know uh, how much players get better within a two-year span at that age is significant and on top of the experience that they had I mean, it was just they weathered this storm perfectly, um, and now they have a chance to get number 18 and go ahead of the Lakers again, which is awesome. Absolutely. And obviously, I like to look at the betting angles of the series as well, mm-hmm. because last year during the finals, I had our friend Kevin Walsh on from Sports Grid, and he correctly called the Giannis MVP final bet because, hey, if the Bucks win, nobody else on this team is getting the award besides <laughs> Giannis, mm-hmm. and that paid out pretty nicely. You listen to us. So, any finals bets you're interested in? Well, actually, I don't know if it'll count because this one was earlier, but I do like to say that I had Celtics over the Warriors at plus 290 or 390. Uh, let me let me double check it live now already. Love FanDuel. Um, fortunately, in New York, we don't get finals MVPs because they don't consider that uh, by the Gambling Commission. Um a bet. Yeah, I had Celtics beating the Warriors plus 290 prior to that. It was during the conference finals. Um, so that was one of them. Um, stuff that I have been looking at. Sorry, I have to pull it back up. Uh, where are we? Where are we? Where are we? Sorry. Um, so yeah, just some of the future stuff. Listen, if you like the Celtics to just win the series, then plus 135 is, is where you're at, right? The series spread, it has so much juice with the Celtics, but plus one and a half, I, I, I don't see them losing 4-2. I think this goes 7 Um especially if they lose. Um, the series correct score is something I always love looking at. 
Again, if I'm a big Celtics and seven guy, plus 600 is there, or even Celtics and six, right? Because I think those are the only two uh, scenarios in which Boston wins. Boston wins in five, like someone got hurt or it was something that we were all wrong on. Um, and as far as the Warriors go, I, I, I do think in, in seven games as well for them, that's plus 350. Um, you know, I, I think stuff like that. I, I'm not sure who has... Um, all that stuff. But it's pretty interesting with three-pointers made average. Steph is at only plus 105. That's something I would definitely look at. I know Tatum's there because he has crazy high volume. But Tatum has these games. When he's bad, he's really bad. So, um, again, there's also the Game 1 series parlay. Um, listen, Boston Celtics take Game 1 somehow. And then they win the series at plus 270. Or even if they lose, you say they, they take one of two. Uh, the Warriors win, and that, and the Celtics uh, take the series as plus four hundred, and then again the seven games plus one eighty five. I don't think four games or five games is really worth looking at. Um, so you could go six or seven, whichever you like, and the difference is isn't much. It's plus one ninety for six, and then seven's at the one eighty five, like I mentioned. Um, but yeah, I mean. Listen, I, I think highest rebounding percentage the uh, odds. This one was really something I, I do like Tatum at plus nine hundred. I think that's the best like value one. Um, Horford at plus one thirty. I wouldn't really take. I really wouldn't take Looney either. Um, but Tatum can have those games where he he picks up a lot of rebounds. You could see like seven or eight. Um, he's been averaging over twenty five, five and five this postseason. So that's something I could see happen. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, I, I don't have series MVP prices. If you have them for me, I'll probably give you my thing. I think it's I think it's a Steph or Tatum. I, I don't I don't really foresee anything else. Um, and again, no matter what, I will say this: Stephen Curry will win the Finals MVP. Just goes yeah. like they're gonna they're gonna just give it to him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's as long as he plays. I mean, how could they give it to anyone else? They're not going to give it to... If they give it to Wiggins, man, like, Steph's never going to hear the end of it. Yeah. He's never going to hear the end of it. And I don't see Clay playing that well over the the course of seven games consistently better than everyone else. Draymond's not going to be that. Looney's not going to be that. Jordan Poole, I think he's going to have his toughest series out of the whole playoffs. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's just one of two guys. Uh, If I were to say a dark horse, man, I guess... I guess I would go with Jordan Poole, actually. I know I just said it's going to be tough on him, but if it's not tough for him, I think he'll be Golden State's second-best player. Yeah, I'm trying to look up the lines right now. I think on DraftKings, they have Steph plus 110, Tatum plus 170. They dropped all the way to plus 1,100 for Jalen Brown's the third. Jeez. Yeah, I mean, listen, not not bad in terms of just tossing a few bucks on that. So, uh, again, I think it's just between those two and Listen, you get him in now because if one thing happens, these odds sway drastically in one direction. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I've i been betting more on the hockey side here. I was looking at the series mm-hmm. prices on the two uh, conference finals here. The Rangers are plus 150 for the series against the uh, Lightning. I I hope you lose. Yeah. But, <laughs> listen, I you never know in hockey, I guess. Um, again, this is one of the toughest teams that they're going to be facing. Um, they did win a game seven on the road. Maybe that confidence is there for them, but it's still a really young side. So I would say best of luck to you, but I don't like you guys. So yeah. that's all I'm going to say. Yeah. I was looking at this because that's funny. Cause like 
the first two rounds, the Lightning were underdogs, series price, both series against Toronto and Florida. Now they're minus 175 favorites in the series. That's, yeah, I mean, listen, now, now I think that just kind of comes across like the bookies are like, all right, we screwed up. Like, yeah, yeah we probably should have had Tampa favored the whole time. But now and now it could be, yeah, I don't know, for me, minus 170. I really just don't trust the Rangers, I guess. And I get it, but I don't know enough about Puck to, to really uh, have a good say on this. I just know that never underestimate a heart of a champion, especially like the Tampa Bay Lightning are, so... Everything goes. Everything goes. Martina, thanks all the time. I really appreciate it. Before I let you go, can we follow social media, keep on some of the stuff you're doing? Yeah, um, just still working with proper football. You could just follow that on Instagram, Twitter. Just been doing a lot of TikTok stuff, actually. So that's at football at F-U-T-B-O-L. Um, done well with that. That's that's some interesting stuff, though, because I've done basketball and, and um, soccer player comparisons. So it's it's definitely trying to bridge the gap with a lot of fans. Cause I know Will Schneider hands a fan of it at least uh, cause it makes sense to him, but, and just my regular handle at Martino Puccio close to seven K already, which is bananas. Um, how do you send, obviously since they won the title, it's been a, it's been a good month of like almost a thousand people. So, I mean, it, it, it's crazy. I mean, it's, it's a good time of the year. Um, and yeah, I mean, uh, hopefully I see Top Gun this week. Yeah. Yeah, see, Taco will be fun. And one player comparison before you go. So who is the soccer comparison for Steph Curry? Soccer comparison for Steph Curry. Could be Ronaldinho, to be honest with you. But just just like someone who's just the best player in the world and just really changed the whole perception and way the sport is played. It's, it's kind of hard because Steph is so unique. Um, but Ronaldinho was just, it, it's in terms of entertainment. But I will say this, the next one that I have coming out tomorrow will be Wilt Chamberlain and Pele. So I think that one's that one's right there. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I'll, try, I'll try other stuff. I'm trying to think of baseball ones, but it's not easy at all. I'll say that. Yeah, especially in the current age, and the players don't really market themselves very well. Nope. I don't think anyone's going to realize like who. I, I can't. I legitimately could not put anyone. It, that that these fans would know baseball but, and, and and soccer fans do not cross over it's very very few i would probably say like oh time probably be the one you have to start with but even then no one no one no one does it it's like pitching and hitting it's like the guy plays defensively and is also like a a midfielder or forward like it's just it doesn't exist shohei is the most unique and greatest baseball player i've ever seen He's just, he, he honestly is like, I can't, like, I've seen enough evidence over what, like two years now, yeah. two to three years of like, if he's on the field, he's the best player in the game. Like, he, like he's, he's even better as a pitcher this year. And now he just hit a couple homers this week and he's already over double digits there. I think he has 11. Like, are you kidding me? Again, if he literally just maintains what he's doing pitching wise and he keeps up this pace of, of slugging and hitting, how is he not MVP again? You have to give it to him. Absolutely, Martina. Thanks for all the time. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Mark. The two-minute drill. All right, two-minute drill time here. Talking a little baseball here, and it's funny because the last couple of years, you know, it's, it's hard to tell if either team in the York Mets and the Yankees are going to be really good or if they're going to flop or if they're going to surge late. And you follow baseball. A lot of the purists say, the first time you look at the standings is on Memorial Day because then you just have the quarter pole of the season. Most teams play about 50 games. And right now, all's going well here for the New York teams. They're both in excellent spots. 
They are both in first place this late in the season for the first time since 1988. The Yankees right now have one of the best records in the American League. I'm recording on Tuesday, uh, May 31st, before the start of their game against the LA Angels tonight. A big series for them. So the Yankees right now are 33-15. and 15. They are the best record in the American League. They did split a series with Tampa Bay over the weekend. And they have used their pitching, which is not what we expected when coming into the year. We thought, you know, all the bats, the bats, the bats. The pitching has carried the way for them to the top of the alleys. The Mets have the biggest lead in all of baseball. They are 33-17. and 17. They are nine and a half games up on the Atlanta Braves in the National League East. 11 and a half up on the Phillies, 12 on the Marlins, 15 on the last place Nationals. And it's pretty bananas because this team is a lot better from last year. They are more efficient offensively. They are much better defensively. They have much better fundamental play. And they've set themselves up well to not collapse. And they're doing this right now. Despite getting a combined eight starts out of Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer at this point, DeGrom has not made any. Max made eight before he hurts oblique. Now he's out till July. Tyler McGill has been hurt as well, who's filled in excellently for DeGrom. He's on the men. Sounds like maybe the middle of the month he'll be back. They also are down starting catcher James McCann. They're down Trevor May. They have Brandon Nimmo battling a wrist issue right now. He's out the lineup for a couple of days. The injuries are starting to pile up for them. They have weathered them, though, the Mets. They've done quite well. Challenging schedule. Always more difficult the next couple of weeks. They have a 10-game, 11-day West Coast trip coming up. They go out and play the Dodgers, who have the best record in the National League for four. They go play the Padres, who are right behind the Dodgers, three games back for three. Then they go play the Angels for three. They come home, they get the Brewers, who are the best team in the NL Central. They're 32-18 and 18 for three games. You can do well in that stretch by going, you know, there's about, there's 13 games there. You go seven and six, that's pretty solid considering you're down three key starting pitchers, starting catchers, and have questions in the bullpen. And there's very few days off in there. So great job by the Mets if they can pull it off, but it seems like they're in good shape. The difference, I think, between this year and last year, the lineup is producing. At this point a year ago, the Mets were up four games in the NLEs, just six games over 500, and they had a plus three run differential. Today, they are 16 games over 500, nine and a half game leading division, plus 62 run differential. I think this team has staying power. The Yankees also have some injury situations going on right now. They have a ton in the bullpen. They've lost Chad Green for the season. Aroldis Chapman's on the IL. Jonathan Weiser's on the IL. They have Josh Donaldson, Jack Carl Stanton on the IL right now. They also have some guys not hitting in that line right now, namely Joey Gattle and Aaron Hicks in the outfield. The good news is, they are doing what they did not do last year. They are beating up on the bad teams they face. They pummel the Orioles. They pummel the Royals. They pummel the Tigers when they saw them. That's what you have to do against these bad teams. And Aaron Boone is bad his best when these teams are shorthanded. Remember, infamously, in 2019, when he lost a ton of guys to injuries, and this team still managed to make the postseason with ease. They have a tough two weeks coming up here soon because after this Angel series, though, the Yankees had a little bit of a break because they had Detroit coming in over the weekend, and you get two of those streaming games, get the Apple TV game on Friday and the Peacock game on Sunday, so tough, tough break Yankee fans. They have the Twins, who they always own. The Twins are playing well this year. Then the Cubs. Then this stretch here from June 14th 
until June 26th. They have a home series against the Rays for three. Then they have an ALE's road trip to Toronto for three and Tampa for three more. Then they go down to Houston for four. This is going to be a very challenging stretch for the Yankees. I want to see how they handle it. It will be a lot of fun for sure. And I'm very excited to see what they do here. Because we could have a lot of fun in this town if both these teams are in first place by the time the sub- first Subway Series rolls around right after the All-Star break. They have two at City Field in July. Then they have two in Yankee Stadium. I believe it's early August. I want to double-check that. Uh, actually, no, late August. They met to Yankee Stadium. So it could be a lot of fun here in New York with these baseball teams. I'm excited to see what goes on. And with that, I want to end this week's show. I want to thank my guest first, P. Considori, for hopping on the line to talk all about the Rangers postseason, as well as Martino Puccio setting up the NBA Finals. If you want to make stuff like this podcast, including my look at Star Wars Celebration, there was a lot of news about Star Wars content and properties that's coming out in the next couple of years on Disney+. Plus. Check out the vlog over at justinthesuffering.wordpress.com. You can also check out the Sky Guys. We are doing the Obi-Wan Kenobi episodic coverage. The premiere two-parter is up in the podcast feed. Episode three recap, it's coming out on the weekend in this feed. But if you follow our Sky Guys podcast feed, just search for the Sky Guys favorite podcast platform. You will get it the day after we record at the latest. So usually record on Wednesday nights. You'll get it on Thursday instead of Saturday, which is a huge ad. So check it out there if you like the Sky Guys stuff. You can also follow me on Twitter at mphillips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-I-P-S. 331. And that's going to do it for this week's podcast on the sports side. Coming up next week, we're going to have some more fun here. We're going to do some Yankees talk again. Yankees are in a big spot here. It's going to be a lot of fun. There's some more Stranger Things with Sandra's coming back to wrap up Volume 1, the last three episodes of The Batch, and more. Until they have a better week than Phillies fans. This has been the Just End the Suffering Podcast. I'm out.